up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Snaggle Show, and I am very, very excited for this week's episode. I'm going to be starting a new series of shows called Flashback Focus, where I'm going to take a look back at an event or a show or something um, you know, famous or infamous or important that happened in history, whether it be in wrestling or sports or pop culture. We're going to dissect it. We're going to go through it uh, and talk about you know what it meant to me and how it was important in the history of whatever it was in. And this week, I'm very, very happy. I'm going to be joined on the podcast by Cooperstown Kurt, um, who you may remember from this week in MLB The Show. Uh, no longer doing that podcast, but he has a new podcast started called The Rain Delay. Um, I definitely recommend you check it out at theraindelay.com. Uh, but this week, uh, Kurt joined me, and we talked about WrestleMania Six. The Ultimate Challenge. I am super excited for you guys to hear this episode. Uh, it is detailed. Um, it is, at certain points, quite hilarious. Um, it's a really good episode. And if you guys do enjoy it, I definitely recommend you reach out to me on Twitter, at SnaggleJ. You can also reach out to Coop, at CooperstownKurt on Twitter. Let us know what you thought. Um, let us know if you have any other ideas or some things you would like me to cover. Maybe some guests you would like to see to come on. Um, but yeah, without further ado, I'm going to get you guys to the conversation I had with Cooperstown Kurt about WrestleMania 6. Enjoy. What is up, guys? Snaggle J here, and I am glad to be joined at this time by my close personal friend, Cooperstown Kurt. Kurt, how's it going, buddy? My man, I, I can't tell you how excited I am to be here. Not only to talk to you, because I always enjoy talking to you, as you know, but we get to talk about wrestling. Nobody knows how how big I was into wrestling. So I'm I'm thrilled. Thanks for having me on, buddy. No problem. Now listen. Now before we t- get into talking about WrestleMania six, um, I know you've recently taken on a brand new venture, uh, a new podcast called The Rain Delay. Uh, why don't you tell everybody about it? Uh, where they can find it? I appreciate it. Well, look. It, it, here's the bottom line. People listening to this probably know me from TWI MLB The Show, and I really wanted to broaden the, the topics that I was discussing in conjunction with baseball. But let's be honest, Snaggle Jay, I'm not a stat guy. You know, I don't know war. I don't know advanced stats. What I know is mustaches. I, I know cool characters, mascots, memorabilia, and things of that ilk. And I really enjoy talking to people. You know, this last year with TWI, I did a lot more interviewing, and I really that's something I've done for years prior, and I enjoy that particular uh, creative outlet, so to speak. Yep. So I wanted to, to create this baseball podcast that was for fans that, that just want to talk about some of these more interesting aspects of the game, which, don't get me wrong, stats are great. I'm just an idiot when it comes to discussing them. And so, therefore, I felt discussing these other things was, was more up my alley. And I'm really excited to have it out there, and it's been going well, and... You know, I think we're going to have you on, in fact, uh, soon, right, with OOTP? I, I believe I believe that is factual. Now, when we, we are recording this, <laughs> we are recording this a solid uh, couple of weeks before it's actually going to, to be, lo- be out of there on the Internet. But today you hit your first episode with uh, right. the creator of The Sandlot. And, I mean, yes. he, made a, he made a huge breaking announcement on your podcast. Uh, what was that all about? I, I, I read it briefly. Like, there, there's, there's going to be uh, like a show. 
Right. Okay. So here's the deal. Uh, we're recording this March 1st and you're going to yep. release this several weeks later. So I can just say what it is. If you, yes, if you, you want can. spoiler alert. So I got a hold of David Mickey Evans, the writer director of the Sandlot. I felt this would be a great first episode to kind of bridge the gap between the MLB, the show community and just regular baseball fans that I wanted to bring into my sphere, so to speak. So he was kind enough to give me his time. We talked for an hour snaggle and I'm telling you, you know, me, I do my research, so I brought him questions I'm confident you have never seen asked to him in any type of podcast or interviewing a session. So I asked him, how is Dennis Leary in this movie? What are the deleted scenes? All kinds of things. And I had no idea, none, Snaggle J, that at the end of the episode, he's like, hey, I have an exclusive for you and your listeners. <laughs> and I was, I'm like, what's this guy, guy going to say to me right now? And essentially what he says is that he has an order for the script or for two seasons of a TV show based on the Sandlot that, in his words, are going to take place in 1984 and feature all the original cast members, or at least the characters as it is right now, and what they're up to at that point in their lives. So, and it's on a streaming service. He wouldn't say which one. Maybe it's out there by now. I don't know. But, you know, he just brought this to me, Snaggle Jay, and I'm just sitting there like goofy guy that just wants to talk about, you know, yeah, yeah, and squints. And, and it was just honestly thrilling. I'm not a reporter. I'm not looking for a scoop. And he was just gracious enough to give it to me. And, uh, you know, it's been pretty exciting today, as, as you've seen. Yeah, I've, yeah. Some, well, I had a chance to listen to a little bit of it this morning uh, on my way to work, which is usually when I ingest most of my podcasting, uh, you know, listening is because uh, it. Yeah. Wait, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Yes. No, sorry. Never mind. Um, I do have one follow-up question, though, <laughs> that you may or may not be able to confirm or deny. Okay. Uh, is Paul Sporer going to be cast in the TV show? <laughs> I certainly hope so. I mean, <laughs> I don't think he can play Squints. I, I, I think the guy that plays him is pretty awesome. Yes. Uh, but I, I think there's an opportunity for, like, a, you know, brother of Squints, something like that. We can make that up. They're around the same age. Uh, Chauncey is his name, I believe, that plays yes. Squints. So... But I think an uncle, something like that. I think we can make that work. Yes. Make sure that you guys hit the Twitter machine. Let's start the uh, Spore for Sandlot movement. Uh, I think he'd make a great. Uh... All right. So, yes. Uh, the bottom line is it's out and they can get it at thereindelay.com or iTunes, Stitcher, Libsyn, wherever you get your podcasting needs. There you go. That's what I was going to say. Where can you find it? Raindelay.com, all of your favorite pod catching applications, which, yeah. by the way, you can also find this show. Obviously, if you're listening to it, you found it in some way, but it's available on so many platforms. Make sure you check them all out at podcast.snaggle.club. All right. By the way, Snaggle, I'm, I'm excited you're back doing this a little bit more. I just want to say, I'm a big fan of your work. I'm not just saying that as a friend. You know I feel that way. You're a great host, moderator, and podcast performer. Keep it up, dude. We need more. Just let me know where I need to send the $20 uh, that I, for you to be able to say that. <laughs> um, okay, so here, here's where we are. This episode is all about WrestleMania 6, which was the ultimate challenge. Um, so before we get into it, uh, my question to you is, what is the significance, Kurt, of WrestleMania 6 in your wrestling fandom, so to speak? So I'm a little kid. I get into wrestling right around WrestleMania 2. WrestleMania 3 is about when it starts for me. And, you know, my dad had gotten it as a one-off, WrestleMania 2, because the Bears were in the Super Bowl 
and and they were in that challenge, the battle royale. The fridge was in it. Yeah. If you remember WrestleMania two in Chicago, oh, so yes. yeah. you know, big sports fan. My dad, you know, it was a pop culture movement at the time. They got WrestleMania two. It was a one off. He was not into wrestling. Well, little did he know that his son, good old Coop, w- would get voraciously addicted to wrestling immediately. Chris Jardine, I was into it. Okay, yep. I mean. Nonstop the magazines, the 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 PWI magazines. I was a subscriber to the WWF magazines. I mean, for over a decade. But this is true. This isn't revisionist history, Snaggle. I like how I keep referencing you different names. That's fine. I always hated Hulk Hogan Ooh. from day one, sir. I just want to be clear about that. Hated the character. Oh, loved the Heenan family was rooting for King Kong Bundy, and then I really wanted Andre to win at WrestleMania three. Uh, you know, Macho Man, I love. That's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, but I never liked Hogan, and I didn't. Look, I, I could articulate it as an adult, but I'm telling you, honestly, even as a kid, I found his matches boring because, as we all know, it's virtually the same ending yeah. throughout the eighties, over and over. It, even well, as a kid, I, I thought it was lame. Yeah. You know what and, I mean? Trust me, we're going to there there is definitely a a why we hate Hulk Hogan segment later like okay. coming up later on in the pod. All right. Um, so like for me, for so for me being a few years younger than you, I kind of got started around the same time. Um when I was younger, uh my mom had me and my brother single parents. So on the weekends, we used to go to my grandmother's house. Uh she lives in a rural community about 40 minutes away from where I lived at the time and where I currently live now. And she only had two channels on her TV in the late eighties. Uh, mm-hmm. and every Saturday at it was two or two thirty or somewhere in the, in the mid afternoon range, um, superstars would come on right. and you know, these superstars shows were so bad, by the way, they recently, <laughs> um, released, I think it was 22 or 23 episodes of Superstars from 1992 on the WWE Network. Oh, from 92? Uh, yeah. We're still doing it in 92? Yeah, it's after they changed wow. the name because it used to be Superstars of Wrestling. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. that is trademarked. They actually can't have that on the WWE Network. So this is where they changed the name of it just to WWF Superstars. It's the period right. of time where the warrior was possessed by Papa Shango, and he used to bleed oh. that black stuff all the time. Anyway, that's not, <laughs> that's, that's not the point. The Godfather? The Godfather? Yes, it was the Goyas, the Godfather, also known as, uh, what was it? Uh, Kama, the whatever he was yes. there before. So, <laughs> yeah. He, I'm Hall of Famer, I believe. Oh, yes, the Hall of Famer Godfather. Um, <laughs> so for me, like, we used to, you know, sit and, I mean, it was there wasn't much to do outside of, uh, and I think actually, trying to remember what came first, WWF Superstars or NES. The NES came first. Okay. So for me, it was either play Nintendo or watch wrestling, so I naturally got into wrestling. Now, as a child, you know, I started picking it up around WrestleMania three. And still to this day, I can remember um, watching on some bootleg VHS after the fact, uh, Macho Man and, and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat from WrestleMania 3 with the yes. 22 near falls. And But for me, this pay-per-view was the first pay-per-view that I watched live. This is the first uh, one? This is the first pay-per-view wow. that I watched. Like, it, it wasn't one. We only, wrestling was like a grandma's house kind of thing, right? 
So okay. like for me, like if if I had some extra money and I saw a magazine at the store, I would pick it up, uh, and those kind of things. I had a few posters in my room. I had a Hulk poster, a Warrior poster, Macho, you know, all that stuff. And I mean, as a kid, I loved Hulk Hogan. Because because oh, you oh, didn't no. because because but when you're six years old you don't care that his matches are garbage you just love the <laughs> you love the character you know and he gives these big loud promos but later on again we'll talk more about how I absolutely can't stand his guts and watching this this <laughs> WrestleMania is actually a painful reminder of how big of an asshole Hulk Hogan oh, actually is and was and continues to be to this day oh, wow coming out Let's, strong. Let's talk about the build-up for the ultimate challenge. So, Royal Rumble, Hogan comes in 25th. Uh, there's an elimination or two. Hogan and Warrior are in the ring by themselves. Yes. It's I remember in, it like it was yesterday. It's in Orlando, I believe. Cla- crowd is popping like crazy. Warrior, at this point, had only been around for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh he was the IC champ. He was in the feud, coming off the feud with Ravishing Rick Rude. Um, they wrestled, Ravishing Rick Rude, by the way, probably taught the Ultimate Warrior everything he knows about wrestling a match. And as we'll talk about later, that ended up being not very much. Um, <laughs> so they have this moment. They, they're, they're standing in the ring. It's like time pauses. The crowd's going crazy. They stare at each other for what feels like six and a half days. Before either of them blink or move, <laughs> dude, yes. you you remember what I'm this this part I'm talking about? Are right? you so, kidding me? I I remember it in detail, my friend. Detail. So they, do, they do the crisscross, and you know they end up having a minor altercation, and Hogan goes on to win the rumble. Basically, is is the point, right? Right. Which Shock. Is, which seems a little weird at the time, but. They were different rules back then. The winner of the Royal Rumble didn't automatically get a title shot at WrestleMania. That didn't come till I think it was maybe two Royal Rumbles after that. Right. And then a week later, Hogan cuts a promo saying he is challenging the warrior to the ultimate challenge. He needs to know if the power of Hulkamania is bigger than the power of the warrior. Yes. Now, what most people will remember of the buildup of WrestleMania six was the absolutely batshit insane promos that the Warrior cut. Yes, perfection. And everyone's going to remember that one. And Kurt, you know the one I'm talking about. The one where he said, you know, where he wanted to crash the plane and and the pilots are already dead because they made the ultimate sacrifice and talking running over himself with lawnmowers. And (laughs) do, do you, like... So at that time, you know, you're a young impressionable coop. What That's do you right. remember thinking of that promo at that time? And what do you think about it looking back on it now? Okay. First of all, all in on the warrior at the minute I saw him was like, this is the guy. This is yeah. unbelievable. It was the most exciting thing I had seen ever in wrestling, to be honest. Yeah. And they let's be honest, even as an adult looking at the booking, they they did it perfectly. The way he took down the Honky Tonk Man at SummerSlam. He wasn't supposed to wrestle. He comes out, beats him in 30 seconds. Remember, Honky Tonk Man, greatest intercontinental champion of all time, according to him. He, we, we had been waiting for him to lose for over a year. So to get smashed like that just made you love the Warrior even more. And the minute they get into it at Royal Rumble with Hogan and Warrior, 
I mean, even as a little guy, you're like, oh, they're going to go with Hogan Warrior at some point here. Um, I love the promos as a kid. You know, I'm not looking into the, you know, the the the, the deep meanings of the of the promos. At the time, I'm just a kid, and I'm like, this guy's crazy. He's awesome. His intensity is amazing. Yeah. And, and let's not forget, context, right, is important here. This is the cartoon version of WWF. It doesn't have the real realism that they're trying to go for now. It's not the attitude era. This is the, 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 the cartoon version of WWF. You know what I mean? So it fits in that world at that time. I mean, would you want the warrior at that time to come out and talk like a regular guy and be like, I'm, I'm excited to face Hogan? No, you need him snarling and, and gasping for air and, and talking about stuff you don't understand. And it's, it's riveting as a kid. As an adult, I like you, it's it's batshit crazy, but it's still I wouldn't want to have it other any other way because it would not yep. work. It's fine for me, in my opinion. It it works. Well, this was this was something different that WWF or E or we'll probably use both yeah. as we move along. It's, isn't that the but worst? It's something that Vince had never done, which was right. a, your two top faces you know, leading towards a, a WrestleMania match. And I think that's what made the, the, the moment at the rumble so special. I mean, warrior came in blazing hot, you know, that first match where he was wrestling a jobber, somebody Gibbs, Barry Gibbs, or I don't remember who it was, but he's walking <laughs> to the ring and he's going, uh, uh, and it's like, man, this dude is different. He's jacked. He's massive. He was mega strong. He ran fast. He had the streamers tied around his arms. And I made light earlier of Warrior not learning much about wrestling. But during the course of his IC title feud with Rick Rude, Rick Rude made the Warrior look amazing in every one of those matches. Yeah, they were good. Somebody said to Rick Rude, listen, we have a plan to make the warrior the face of the WWF in the 90s. And we need you to give him the hottest white heat that you can get him. So we need you to make him look like God. We need you to make him look like Hulk Hogan from five years ago. Right. And Rick Rude did an amazing job of doing that through middle and late 89. Rick Rude made the warrior look amazing. And, and go ahead. Go well, ahead. I was just gonna say, and then that led up to this moment at the Rumble, where these guys are in there, and the crowd is like, "Holy crap!" It's the two biggest stars, arguably in wrestling right now, at the WWF level at least, and they're standing in the ring together with no one else around. What the hell's gonna happen? And then it we end up, awesome. you know, going to what we end up with the ultimate challenge. But it's just, it was out of WWF's element at the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what made it so, that's what made it so different and so riveting to watch because WWF, after years of being good guy versus bad guy, and bad guy wins sometimes, but good guy wins most of the time. This was a breath of fresh air to be like, okay, here's two guys with an incredible amount of fans and an incredible amount of support and an incredible amount of people who, you know, buy their shirts and, and 
you know, one guy paints his face and the other guy's fans wear bandanas and they're going to head on collision each other. It was, it was amazing. I uh, know you were going to say something. Sorry. What was that? Well, no, just, I, I'm with you a hundred percent. And, and yeah. you're right because you know, one of them has to lose and cleanly because they're not going to have any shenanigans, or at least you assume that even as a kid at the time, you know, when, when Hogan's out there facing John Studd, you're like, well, I know how this is going to go. Yeah. But, you got Hogan versus Warrior, and they're they're kind of respecting each other in these crazy promos. Yeah. So you know this is different. This is exciting. Yeah. And by the way, you were talking about Rick Rude. Good on him because, as you probably recall, the minute the Warrior does get the title, spoiler alert for those of you that haven't seen WrestleMania 6, you know, I believe Rude is his first main event yeah. challenger after yeah. that. So he just makes a ton of money on top of it. So and that's and that's it, the thing. It worked I out think- fine. Back in those days, Vince was very rewarding of people who, you know, did the right thing for Vince. Mm-hmm. You know, Rick Rude took a lot of bad bumps in 89, uh, you know, suffered some some minor to, to you know, a few major injuries at the hands of the Warrior. Because the Warrior was was green as grass. Right. He didn't stiff. know. They he said didn't he was stiff. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of funny because, like, you look at this from a – not a fan standpoint. You look at this from a, a wrestling uh, encyclopedia standpoint. It was obvious what the WWF was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Hogan was the face of the company for basically five years since WrestleMania one, even a little bit before that, but WrestleMania one really cemented him as the face of WWF WrestleMania three, you know, where he finally eliminated Andre from the picture I mean, Andre continued to wrestle, but that was like his official, like final putting him way over the top. Yep. This was an opportunity for the WWF to change gears. Mm-hmm. Hogan wasn't getting any younger. He was interested in doing some different things. Um, he wasn't getting over the way he used to be. If you read reports around the time, some of the older fans were getting bored of Hulk Hogan. No. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and, and, and then again, we'll, we'll talk more about that later, but like you, you could see what they were trying to do. They were trying to build the warrior up as this, is this unres- irresistible force that was finally going to be the one to dethrone the immovable object. That was Hulk Hogan. Yes. And as we'll talk about in the aftermath, that didn't turn out to be the case for very long. Yeah, it almost feels like Snaggle looking back, you know, now here in 2019, like Hogan is 80s and they were hoping Warrior was their 90s version. And and Warrior fits in with the decade of the 90s perfectly when you look at it, right? You know, neon, loud, exciting. But yes, it, it did not end up coming to fruition. Much to my my disappointment, Snaggle. Believe me, it pains me to well, talk about what happens afterwards. Well, and that's the thing. And, and you look at where WWF was at the time. I mean, you know, they were doing the Skydome. So April 1st, 1990, WrestleMania 6 at the Skydome. 67,678 um, people. Now, I remember, and, and not like kind of kind of snickered, when at this WrestleMania, when I was doing the watchback, they announced that WrestleMania 7 is going to be in the Los Angeles Coliseum. Now, for those of you who know your wrestling history, you know that that never happened yeah. because they couldn't sell half of the tickets at the Los Angeles Coliseum. So they had to move to a smaller venue. So this was basically the high watermark 
for where WrestleMania was. And, you know, it's funny because what got me thinking about the history was um, just this past week on uh, Tony Schiavone's podcast um, with, you know, him and Conrad. They, they were, ta- they were uh, watching WrestleMania 17 and talking about how this was like the return to the large arena. It was at Minute Maid Park. In, or no, yeah, Minute Maid Park was open then. Um, so because after this, they went to a small venue in L.A., and then they went to Caesars Palace for WrestleMania 9. There was WrestleMania 8. I don't quite remember. But this was the start of the decline for the WWF after this particular WrestleMania. And I don't want to say it's because of the Warriors' inability to be a good champion or the return of Hulk Hogan or whatever. And, you know, it's just it's one of those things where you look at what this WrestleMania meant not only in terms of the actual wrestling and what actually happened, but in terms of the business, it's really that, that, you know, that one that you really have to look at and be like, Hey, how did we manage to screw up 67,000 fans? And, and then our, it was it the business destined to go downturn anyway, or did we, did they do something wrong? Hmm. So, Let's jump into the event because holy moly, uh, oh, we're at WrestleMania. Like I said, April 1st, 1990 from the Sky Dome, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. The first of two WrestleManias that would emanate from the Sky Dome. Obviously, 18 being a much better, much more famous WrestleMania. Maybe you and I will get together and talk about that one someday. Um, well, Snaggle, I, I don't want to interrupt you. It's your show, but I, I, you have a unique perspective here. I'm curious, as, snow, as somebody from... Canada. Do you remember? Was was there a palpable excitement around the fact that WrestleMania was coming to the Skydome? Because the Skydome, I want to, I want you to understand, like the Skydome to a guy like me in, in Chicago, the suburbs of Chicago, was like, it was like Disneyland or Oz. It was like, what is this place? The Skydome. You yeah. can see the the hotel rooms from from the outfield or whatever. Like it was a magical place at that time. And and, and again, in many ways, represented the nineties. Like. Do you remember what it was like at that time in your area? I remember, like, there wasn't a whole lot of excitement that WrestleMania was in Canada, but I think there was a lot of excitement about the WrestleMania being at the Skydome. Okay. And, and the potentials of it being, I mean, yes, there was probably people who lived a little closer, you know, in Ontario and Quebec who were probably extremely excited that WrestleMania was coming to their to their area, you know, after having been in Orlando and having been at Madison Square Garden for several years. Uh, but I think the the bigger hype was that they were going to use the Sky Dome, okay. uh, w- which you know they knew they were going to pump sixty thousand people in there, and they ended up with sixty thousand seven hundred or sixty seven thousand six hundred and seventy eight, uh, and then they drug on literally one of the worst WrestleManias outside of the main event that I've ever watched <laughs> in my life. You and I were DMing back and forth as we were doing our separate watchthroughs of this. <laughs> Holy hell, this was an atrocious WrestleMania outside of the main event. Yeah, man. And I got to tell you, as people that have known me in the Twitter world can attest, I I left wrestling recently. Like in the last 10 years, I just stopped altogether. But I pay attention to news and, you know, guys I like. I listen to 83 Weeks. But I was excited to go back and watch a pay-per-view from, you know, my childhood. You know, you would coerced me not really i was like yeah i secretly want to into watching this and and when i started it up snaggle 
I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I was excited. I got the goosebumps and I remembered being a little kid. And it, it started out just fine. I think what's the opening match? Rick the Model Martel is in there. Is that right? Is that how we yeah, started the, this thing off? The first. So, so, yeah. So we can run through them and, and then okay. you can kind of chime in. So the kickoff, there was a pre show match. We're not going to talk about that because it was terrible. Okay. Um, the kickoff match was Coco Beware, the Birdman against Rick the Model yes. Martel. Um, Martel won with the Boston Crab. Now, it seemed like they were building towards a high-energy match to get the 67,000 people pumped, and that was early on. Um, Coco hit a few flying high spots, and then out of nowhere, Rick the Model snaps him in the Boston Crab, and it's it, it, Coco Beware taps out in like 0.2 seconds. The one thing that I feel like the theme throughout this whole thing was there's 14 matches oh. on this card. The Hogan-Warrior match from start to finish from the moment they start heading towards the ring is about 33 minutes of a three hour and 35 minute event. So you cram 13 matches into three hours with backstage segments and the odd, um, gorilla monsoon, Jesse Ventura, um, interludes, but odd interludes. I was going to say, what do you think about that commentating team in general? The Okay. So I love, I'm I'm a huge Gorilla Monsoon fan. I mean, he has to be on the Mount Rushmore of uh, wrestling commentators. Yes. Um, I know a lot of people have him and Jr. One, two. If I probably have the same order, but I'd probably have Jr. One and Gorilla Monsoon two. I feel like I don't know what was at play here, but I did not find Gorilla Monsoon to be particularly up to his standard okay. for the majority of this card. Okay. Especially in the middle, uh, I don't like again. I don't know if they had a bad view, but he but he miscalled a lot of spots. Um, he missed a lot of spots as well. Again, I don't know if that, if it's just like again they didn't have a good view or whatever. Um, Jesse the body was amazing. Uh, he was just the fact you know that he called Tito Santana Chico the whole match, and oh, no. he constantly made references of. Uh, of uh, Gorilla Monsoon eating hot dogs throughout the event. Uh, like it's, you know, Jesse Ventura, this is, this is top shelf Jesse Ventura for me. A lot of things that you could not say on wrestling programs today um, just because of their, you know, racially insensitive nature. But, you know, apparently in 1990, that was a little more okay. Uh, a lot of anti, anti-woman comments during the uh, mixed tag match, making references to Sapphire's weight. Things yeah, that just it does not date well for it does Jesse. not date well, but for the time it was peak Jesse Ventura. Um, so I mean, I was okay with the commentary crew. Um, again, you, ha- you have to think, you know, we were pretty close to getting Tony Schiavone calling WrestleMania six. He right. had called, he had called the Royal Rumble. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I noticed and, that. Right. And but and I believe. And I must have fact, but I believe it's because Gorilla Monsoon was not the greatest of health during okay. the Royal Rumble time, but he was good enough to be back on this. But I thought they did an okay job. Uh, but again, for Gorilla, I don't think it was his best work. I'll say this, man. I have always uh, uh, thought of Jesse the Body Ventura as like, oh man, I loved when he was an announcer. Do you know what I mean? Like when I think yeah. back to it, I'm like, I loved him. He was great. You know, a heel commentator was great. I will say. Now, as you know, an adult watching the show back, I found him at times annoying because he plays the character so well that it yeah. sort of takes away. Like, he's never calling it really, I don't know, it's just constant heel 
tactics at some point it was like is this building the talent up is this helping the show i don't know you know the one time i can think that he was phenomenal of course is the infamous wrestlemania 3 right before the match is about to happen when he's calling down all the measurements of hogan and andre and he's like this is the biggest match in the history of you know wrestling or sports entertainment yeah i like that jesse where you know can we have a little bit of the more you know non-heel Jesse at times. Does that make sense? It just, it got great. Yeah. You can definitely see that he was trying a little too hard. Right. And again, I wonder if that has to do with the fact that maybe he sensed that gorilla was off his game a little bit. It'd be interesting to see. Cause again, I do feel like this was a little outside of Jesse's normal, you know, like if this was mega heel, but like, again, I, 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 you know, despite the few times where I did find him, relatively annoying i thought he did the job that he is supposed to do and i I, you know my thing is is that during these times like you know the early 90s commentary really didn't add much to the matches in 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 my opinion like you know they did their thing again you know you want to see some good commentary that that makes matches better i mean go watch literally any big match that jim ross and jerry the king lawler called Right, and and then you'll see how the commentary can add to the matches. The problem with this card was that thirteen out of the fourteen matches were literally the drizzling shits, and really, there's no amount of commentary that could have saved them. It's not good. All right, so, but it, again, it started off and I was okay. I liked Coco. Yeah. I, so Martel, I enjoyed Coco. Yes. So Martel and Coco go a few minutes. Martel picks up the win with the Boston Crab. Uh, Demolition yells out a promo backstage. Yes. Uh, they're literally. Come on. Just, What's your issue with Demolition? They're awesome. They're, I know no, you it, don't like them. It, Fill it me in. A, it was a high intensity promo. It should uh, be. It, it, uh, you know, it was. How are they I, not in the Hall of Fame? I don't know how they're not in the Hall of Fame. Okay. I know. I know okay. they've had some. I know they've had some interesting things to say about WWE over the years since you know maybe that has something to do with it. But bro, they just um, put it in the honky tonk man. I know. It's not cool. <laughs> they put um, in the warrior. I mean, they've put in a lot of critical guys. Yes. So demolition uh, versus the Colossal Collect- Connection for the tag team championships. Colossal Connection, um, Andre and Haku don't even get a televised entrance. Which to me, I get it. Andre is in absolutely horrendous health at this point. Right. I mean, he can barely like move in, around the ring without having to support himself on the top rope. Um, but give the guy a damn televised entrance. I mean, he's Andre the Giant. He's the eighth wonder of the world. Sure. Get that shot of him coming out in the little cart and buggy that everybody else took. You know, with the camera way down low, so he looks twenty-seven feet tall. Um, Demolition wins uh, the tag team championships after a relatively short match where Haku was pretty much isolated. It was a good uh, story. Come on, for a story. It was a, good, it was a good story. I think the, the part of me is sad watching this match, knowing that Andre was in such bad health at the time. Uh, he would pass away a few years after this. Um, this was kind of his last big WrestleMania moment. They did tell a good story. You know, Haku was hung out to dry. He would eventually take the one, two, three. Demolition takes the tag team titles, leaves the ring relatively quickly. Bobby the Brain Heenan gets up in Andre's face. Andre, you know, he slaps Andre. Slaps him. It was awesome. Andre smacks down. Now, the the worst part about this is 
Andre grabs him and gives him a palm slap and then goes to give him a backhand slap. And with the camera angle that they had, you can clearly tell that Andre missed him by six inches. Like, it <laughs> yeah, even, um, like it was good. really, really bad. But it, you're right. It was a good story. It was not, I get, the writing was on the wall. Andre was done at this point. He wrestled a few more times, you know, after this. But right. this Hung out was with the, the Bushwhackers. That was this was the end of, of Andre the Giant as as being, you know, in a any sort of title picture. Um, so it was nice to give him that that face turn, um, you know, at the last minute. I mean, again, I, I don't disagree with you that it told a good story. Uh, and that's, you know, for most of these matches, that's pretty much all they did was tell a good story. By the way, Snaggle, I, I have been convinced of something my entire life that I have no proof on. What's that? Okay, it involves Andre. I just I just want to get your if you know about this or or if you have any thoughts. But I have been convinced, much like you, he's towards the end there, right? But the first Royal Rumble they ever did was on the USA Network, I believe, and I think Big John Stud won it, right? Or Hacksaw Jim Duggan, one of those guys won it. Anyway, Hacksaw won the first one. Okay, the, they they go to do a pay per view at some point of the Royal Rumble, and Andre was announced as a participant in this Royal Rumble. I believe it's like the first one, first or second. And it was a big deal because we hadn't seen Andre wrestle in a long time. But I know he was announced probably on Superstars Wrestling. I am absolutely sure he was announced as a participant. And I kept thinking at that time, oh, Andre has always been the, the, the Battle Royale guy. He can't do a lot. They're going to put him in the Rumble and have him win the thing. And that's going to be kind of his, his you know last big moment in the spotlight for all the fans to give him the, the love and adoration that he deserves. And he ended up not being in the rumble. I think again, due to health scenarios. And I, I think Hogan ended up winning. I'm convinced Andre was going to win that Royal rumble snaggle. I'm convinced yeah. that was the plan. I have no proof. I just wanted to run it by you. I just wanted to tell you that it's, it's been on my mind for 20 years. You know, it's <laughs> there, there were some, there's some well-documented and maybe some less well-documented, Things surrounding Andre's health. I mean, again, even during the WrestleMania three era, you could tell Andre was in some some bad. Like he was in bad health. He was in bad shape. He had a hard time. I mean, basically, it was a squash match with him and Hogan because uh, you know Hogan had to sell for Andre, and really, it was just can Hogan get the body slam in the one two three. Um, I definitely think there were some definite, you know, the last four or five years of the eighties, and right up until Andre. Um, because after this, he only appeared very sporadically, um, after WrestleMania six, you saw him, I think maybe a handful of times prior to yeah. him passing away, uh, which I believe was in, Hmm. Geez. Like, why can't I remember that now? 95. Was it maybe? Yeah, I'm not sure to be honest. 93, it says he passed. 93. Okay, that's 93. right. I couldn't remember if he stopped in 93. And then, yeah, he passed away in early 93. So, I mean, he was in some really bad health. So, you know, different things happened. Um, it was kind of sad to see. But again, like I do agree with you that they did at least manage to tell a good story for him here at the end. Right. Uh, and let him go out as a face with slapping the taste out of Bobby Heenan's mouth, even though he missed. Um, okay, next up. Earthquake gives the sweatiest promo in, Horrible. in 
in wrestling history. Again, just okay. Listen, <laughs> I was a bless John Tenta's heart. Um, you know, John Tenta, by the way, the guy who played Earthquake. Um, and he did the Earthquake thing. He hey, he even goes on to feud with Hulk Hogan. Yeah, big uh, feud, highlight of his career by far. You know, goes to WCW. Uh, you know, as Avalanche does some things with the Dungeon of Doom, comes oh. back later on as Golga. So, I mean, he ended up having a pretty good wrestling career. And if I remember correctly, John Tenta is uh, Canadian. Uh, so, you know, I got a little special place in my heart for John Tenta, of course. But was not a member of the Heart Dungeon. Was not, was not down there, right? Not part of the Heart family. Dungeon. No. No. <laughs> no. No, I know he wasn't. <laughs> Definitely not. He's down there running the mat with uh, yeah. with Owen and Brett. And... No, but th- <laughs> but this promo where he's literally just constantly bouncing around and sweating his ass off. He's already he's backstage now. This is the other thing that that I hate about this WWF period was constantly interviewing a guy right before he goes out for a match. You don't like, like you don't like that? Like, what? Well, I don't like the fact that they did it 14 times. Like right. you don't have to do it before I don't need to hear Earthquake drop 27 earthquake pun references in the same <laughs> like guy is about to go out there and wrestle Hercules and he's already sweat through Hercules. His singlet. Like he yeah. has already sweat through so Andre pretty much squashes Hercules. I think Hercules, you know, tried to pick him up at Earthquake. One point, right? Earthquake, and yes. Earthquake squashes Hercules. Um, and you know he's the good Hercules because he has the light blue trunks. Yes, and he hit <laughs> he hits he hits Hercules with the uh, the sit down splash a couple of times. Uh, wouldn't be the last time we would see that. We'll talk about that later. But again, another quick thrown together match. Earthquake beats Hercules. There was, you know, the whole thing. Could Her- is Hercules strong enough to handle the earthquake? Obviously, he was not. <laughs> Next up, probably the match that pissed me off more than any other match, and that is Brutus the Barber Beefcake beating Mr. Perfect, which was Mr. Perfect's first televised loss. Yeah. Uh, WWE build it as his first loss, period. But as the records show, he actually lost to the Ultimate Warrior at a house show at Madison Square Garden a few weeks before WrestleMania. Um, but I, I hate this. And it's, yeah. I, hate it, I hate it mostly because I know what Brutus the Barber Beefcake was from you know learning about his connections with Hulk Hogan. And basically Hulk Hogan got him everything he ever got in wrestling. And... I can just picture Hulk Hogan saying to Vince, well, brother, you know, Brutus, Brutus should be the guy to beat perfect. And I, like, it just didn't make, it didn't make any sense. Sure. Sure. I, I get that. And I was surprised to be reminded that Brutus got the W here. <laughs> like as I'm watching, it, I'm like, Brutus doesn't win this, does he? Yeah. And no, that's, he does. He does. Now, now let me play devil's advocate for just a moment. My friend. You know, Hulk and Brutus are friends. We're not saying this happened, but hypothetically, I mean, friends in workplaces do look out for other friends. That is kind of the way it is throughout, you know, uh, uh, all all jobs. Yep. You would look out for your friends as, as I do mine. Um, I don't, you know, did it hurt perfect 
I don't know. In the long run, do people remember Brutus as being better than Mr. Perfect? No, I would say probably not. And Perfect wasn't going to win the world championships. So I get it. By the way, what's that? That's a shame, by the way, that Perfect never was never a world. Right. But they were, you know, they weren't in the business of giving heels the world championship at this time. That just wasn't part of their makeup. Otherwise, you know, Million Dollar Man would have been perfect in in WrestleMania 4, which there's, of course, the rumors that he was supposed to win, but who knows. Um, so, you know, you know, looking back, it's not the end of the world. It was fine. It was fine. I'm okay with it. He should have cut his hair, though. Yeah, if you're going well, to do, yeah, do it, go all the way. Right. I, I don't need to see the genius get his hair cut again. That the, yeah. Who cares? All right, let's blow through a couple of the a couple of these next ones. Please. Uh, we will not discuss Piper Bad News Brown, other than to say it was absolutely horrible uh, and extremely offensive, and that's pretty much all we need to say about that. It ended and, in a double. Yes, it ended in terrible. a double. And terrible because I, you know, I, I think like you're saying, you know, Roddy Piper is an icon. Yeah. I love him, but it's watching a, it, I was just like, oh man, this sucks. I hope we don't talk about it. It sucks. Yeah. Bad for, move. For and this is in no way a pun. But this is definitely a black mark on Roddy Piper's career for sure. Doesn't matter where the idea came from; it was a horrible idea. Uh, and ended in a double countout. It was a terrible match. The whole thing was terrible. There was literally nothing redeemable about this segment at all. Agreed. Uh, Heart Foundation squashed the Bolsheviks in about 22 seconds, uh, interrupting them singing the Russian. No, it's a big pop for Heart Foundation in Canada. Obviously, uh, well documented. You know, everyone knew they were. That Brett was Canadian. I think Jim the Anvil might not actually be Canadian, but you know they they marketed him as a Canadian, I believe. Um, obviously, I just was, one thing though. Yeah, I, I, I do want to tell you that I'm a big fan of Nikolai Volkov singing the national anthem. That's a hilarious yeah. gimmick. That's fa- a, fabulous. Not gonna lie, Nikolai Volkov singing the national anthem was better than the absolute drizzling, terrible uh, singing performance that we're gonna get later on in the show. <laughs> okay. Um, so the Heart Foundation win, continue their uh, turn towards uh, being faces, sets them up with a future uh, tag team championship match with Demolition. Uh, Barbarian versus Tito Santana, uh, pretty good match considering the Barbarian was, I mean, limited to three or four or five moves, it felt like. Uh, he does have a couple of you know high-risk maneuvers. Barbarian picks up the W. Um Tito Santana, unfortunately, seems to be an afterthought at this point. Um, this is shortly before he switches over to the El Matador gimmick, uh, which mm. pretty much buried the rest of his career in the dust. Um, okay, this next match we'll talk about a little bit. Uh, intergender tag match, Macho King, Sensational Queen Sherry against uh, the America Dream, Dusty Rhodes, and Sapphire. Um so the first thing is, so Miss Elizabeth comes out to be in the corner of Dusty Rhodes and Sapphire. Again, du- you know, Elizabeth Macho Man had split up at this point. Um, he was doing the Macho King gimmick with Sapphire awesome. with uh, Sherry. And it's funny because earlier in the show, they actually show an interview with Miss Elizabeth. Yes. Uh, and then Gorilla Monsoon is like so surprised that she's here. She's wearing the same thing. Like, <laughs> you knew she was in the building. But anyway, it's pretty funny. It, but you know what? I mean, the match itself wasn't that great. I think this is, you know, getting on to the tail end of Dusty's in ring career. He's not in great shape at this point. But the story they told was was really good. Um, you know, just you know, Macho King and, and Sherry take the L, you know, the scepter was involved, 
Elizabeth gets her little pop. Obviously, this is a prelude to what's going to happen, you know, in the future. With, right. Uh, with with Macho Man and you know Elizabeth eventually, you know, reuniting. Blah blah blah. Um, but I felt like the story here was pretty good. Like I, I didn't compare it to the rest of the card. I didn't hate this match. You know, I just never got into Dusty. I have never gotten into him and polka dot dusty specifically. I just can't get into man. I just can't do it. I tried. Yeah, I just I can't. Was... And macho admittedly is one of my favorites of all time. So, yeah. but I, I do love the macho King gimmick. I thought he played it great. Uh, he he uh, might be my favorite King. I'd have to think about that and get the rundown of all the Kings over the years, but he was, he's up there for sure. Although yeah, Booker was pretty awesome. King, Bo- King I was going to say King Booker would probably be, uh, would probably be my favorite. I'll tell you who wasn't at the top the list was king harley race that doesn't no, yeah. didn't work for me <laughs> yeah that's bad, that's bad. That's, um, it looked cool purple but other than that come out then we go to the last bit of uh backstage promos from ultimate warrior and hulk hogan uh up till this point this was the high watermark of the show these backstage promos um they were intense they were they they felt very personal um again the intensity was ratcheted up to about a 17 both of these guys were ready to go. Uh, they just, just very, 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 very top shelf promo work that, that this show needed for watching it. Obviously, if you're there, it's different. But for watching the show now, this reminded me why I was watching the show was for this match later on. Because yes. up until this point, the card was an absolute travesty uh, and just very <laughs> not exciting. And, and then we go from that into the Orient Express... Oh, forgot about this matchup versus the Rockers. Um, man, it was okay. First of all, the Rockers coming out using the the cart, I thought was stupid. The Rockers were known for jogging to the ring with their you know their streamers flying and and, and being you know just just always energetic and uppity, and they come out in the cart. Yeah, that's I, odd, right? I was that's like, weird. That, I'm like, that for me just ruined the Rockers and everything I ever thought about the Rockers. Um, and this match, like, not going to lie, it was just, ugh. it was just, it was an absolute mess. The Marty card is dragging at this point, for sure. Yeah, Marty Jannetty ends up taking the salt in the eyes, um, gets counted out in what has to be the fastest 10 count in the history <laughs> Like they had to just be like, listen, you're gonna get out of the ring, you're getting the salt. Referees going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, ten, because we gotta save some time on this card because they're turning the lights out at eleven PM and we gotta be out of here. Like it just felt like I all of a sudden, you know, Janetti and I kind of forgot about this match too until I watched it. It's like Janetti takes the salt in the eyes, and then all of a sudden, like three seconds later, the bell rings. And I'm like, What's going on? Get counted. Oh, I think it got counted out, Jesse. And I'm like, What? Classic get... Fuji in the eyes. Classic. It wasn't even Fuji. It was one of the uh, one of the Orient Express. I don't remember. Which. That's true. That's true. Salt in the eyes. Right. And then another strange one. Hacksaw Jim Duggan as a face in Canada with his you know very Americanized gimmick, literally on the top rope trying to get a USA chant started against Dino Bravo, who's Canadian, and Earthquake in his corner. Who's Canadian? <laughs> Hacksaw didn't get, I mean, he got a little bit of a reaction, but the USA chant was, was maybe like, I was like, are you, is Hacksaw turning heel right now at WrestleMania? Like, is this, <laughs> it's probably not an ill advised matchup going against the Canadian Dino Bravo. Probably yeah. not wise on the Booker's part. 
Yes. Because Hacksaw uh, was super popular, which always Hacksaw was me. Hacksaw was extremely I just wasn't old. into him. I was not into him. No, I wasn't either, but he was way over. Hacksaw wins with a two by four to the back, uh, and then picks up the the one, two, three. Um yeah. Just at this point, I'm just like, can I how how fast can we get these matches over with? Yes. Um now a match that I actually didn't hate was the million dollar man Ted DiBiase against Jake the Snake Roberts for the non-sanctioned million dollar championship. Mostly because I didn't hate this match, mostly because I love the million dollar man. I love Jake the Snake Roberts. I love their gimmicks and their ring psychology. Uh, again, the match, ugh, it ended in a count out, of course. Uh, this is what, the third count out on the card, I think. Maybe the fourth count out on the card. Um, but I love these two guys and just, I felt like they were really good together. I mean, look, you got two great guys, two great performers that understand psychology of wrestling. So, yeah, you're not going to get a bad match. So I agree with you of the cards of the matches on the undercard. This one stands out for sure. And, I, you know, the million dollar belt's pretty fun when you think about it. It was uh, two thumbs down to the crowd for doing the wave during this match. <laughs> I, I like the wave is not acceptable at any point in time ever. Any stop. Like I'm like. Why are they doing the wave? I was like, oh, they're all hype. All of it. It's like, oh, they're doing the wave. And I'm like, oh, man, Canada. Damn it, so Canada. You let me down there. So embarrassing. Um, our next, oh, no, second next to last match, the big boss man defeats Akeem, the African dream, with the boss man slam. At the, yeah. No. It's just bad. And then, and then uh, boss man knocks out Slick, which was my favorite part. Uh, I always love when Slick uh, takes one to the chops. <laughs> yes, agreed. Agreed. The hockey talk man and Greg the Hammer Valentine come out and perform a tune. Mm. Uh, hockey talk man cannot play guitar, by the way. Even these to these guys day. can't play guitar. Can't actually they can't play it. Sing. This was, and then I'm like, what is the point of this? Oh, it's so we can get the Bushwhackers on the show, and they can come out and lick these guitars and <laughs> smash them. Thank you for for this interlude that nobody needed and nobody wanted. But um, would you take this interlude over some of the matches we've talked about? Yes, I might. Yes, I just might. Yes, <laughs> yes, because I knew at some point, please, someone smash those guitars because it's exciting. Yes, and then finally, yes. we have Ravishing Rick Rude beats Superfly Jimmy Snuka in a relatively short match. Again, this is towards the tail end of Super, Superfly's in-ring career. Uh, you can tell he looks quite out of shape. Um he seemed quite out of shape. It was a a short, a like short match. Replacing it so so nicely, he just well, looks I mean, out of shape. Thing is, the thing is, when your gimmick is based around you being a non-sock, non-shoe wearing high flyer, and you get to be you know aging, <laughs> and like it's one of those things where. You know, you, you, you literally, you look, he had a few more pounds on at this point in his career. I think that's pretty safe to say. He was several years removed from, you know, being a main event kind of guy. He was 47 years old at the time. So, you know, it, to have him in the next And by the, the last, way, I, I was, but against... 
a guy that's absolutely ripped and like a gorgeous looking guy that's just like, oh, that guy is just shredded. Yes, it, it also perhaps uh, uh, makes you realize the, the differences between the two much yeah. more than you would if he was against, say, Earthquake. Yeah, and, rega- and regardless of the scandals and stuff that have come out about Superfly Snooker in, in, in more recent times, you know, leading up to his death, um, this seems like a not a very good way to use Ravishing Rick Rude. I mean, it's a four-minute match, um, one of the shortest matches of the night. Rick Rude, fresh off a giant program with the Ultimate Warrior, and then you put him against Superfly Snuka in a match that means literally absolutely nothing. I mean, I get it, right? You have both of your main singles titles at the time tied up in the same match. And again, Rick Rude would go on to do some good things after Mania. But it just seems like a bad way to use him here. Like, I don't see Rick Rude picking up a four-minute win against Superfly Snuka as doing anything but, like, doesn't help Rick Rude's stock. <laughs> it just it right. just seemed like, hey, let's fill four minutes of a show that's already way too long. This card is a disaster. It is. All right, so let's get to the, the, the one match. And you know what the sad part is? Is that up until this point, for those of you who pay attention to Dave Meltzer's match ratings. No, 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 I he do is, not. He has actually rated every single match uh, a positive, with the exception of Bossman and Akeem, which he gave negative half a star. For mm. example, the Orient Express Rockers match, he gave three stars. Feeling so, it. Meltzer feeling it on that one. Meltzer, he was definitely on something while watching this. Um, so we get to the main event. The Intercontinental Champion, the Ultimate Warrior, versus the Heavyweight Champion, Hulk Hogan. Ultimate Warrior obviously picks up a pinfall victory. 22 minutes and 51 seconds. Uh, Meltzer gave it three and three-quarter stars. Um, what... Uh, what are some of the first things that pop in your head watching this match after almost 30 years? <sighs> <laughs> well, I, I still enjoy it. Okay. I want to say that up front. I still enjoy it immensely because I know what happens. Obviously. I remember thinking it was weird to see warrior without face paint towards the end. <laughs> Yeah. Like that, you just didn't see that because he didn't wrestle 22-minute matches, obviously. No. Um, you know, because their characters are larger than life and it was so unique, it still works for me, Snaggle. It really does. And, you know, I still remember, like, oh, Hogan's going to hit this dumb leg drop again, which that's just the worst finisher. It's just the dumbest finisher. It is. Like, the, that's really, it's, it's so stupid. It's almost as bad as a running body splash. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But usually there was a gorilla press that preceded yes. it. Took the and, and that was awesome. Yes. Right. But I mean, you know, again, again, not to go after Hogan, but it's like when I'm a kid and I see either, you know, Macho Man flying through the air with this giant elbow or you see the warrior gorilla pressing someone or a leg drop. Like I just wasn't into him. So when he missed, you know, again, the kid, I mean, was like, ah, he's going to lose again. Yes. But then of course the aftermath, you know, seeing him in the ring, hanging around or 
camera shots on him. I, I did not. Yeah. I didn't like that. I didn't, I didn't yeah. dig it. You know? Yeah. So you come from this from the point of a fan. It's, it's everything you wanted in a match from two guys who absolutely couldn't wrestle a lick. Because none of yeah, neither. But, and of who's these... carrying who, though? Oh, and good. that's the thing. So they both have to get, get credit. Yeah. Considering that you had a match with two guys who can't wrestle, it, it, for that was to that point just as captivating as Hogan versus Andre at WrestleMania 3. It was 22, 23 minutes of match and you know probably six or seven minutes of preamble on either side where you could not take your eyes off of the screen because if you didn't know what was going to happen, you didn't know what was going to happen in the match. It was back and forth, and Hogan sold more for the Warrior than he ever has at any other point in his career. Um, you could tell that these guys knew what this match meant to the WWF and to this card, and... Regardless of all the political stuff, and, and we'll talk about that in a minute, just in terms of the match and the quality and the story and the intensity and the crowd reaction, it was amazing. I mean, you know, it, it won numerous Match of the Year awards, again, considering that you had two guys in there that can't wrestle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's... It's something that is really amazing, and I don't think it works without the two performers being dedicated to making it a great match, regardless of what happened afterwards. Um, And we'll move into that. So right after the match, and again, if you're looking at this from a wrestling history perspective, this was the moment where you were putting over the Ultimate Warrior as your new face of the company. You're starting the 90s with a new fresh face. You're, you're moving on from Hulk Hogan for a little while. Hulk's going to go do some different stuff for a little bit. You know, he wants to do some TV. He wants to do some movies. He wants to go wrestle in Japan again, um, which he actually would do. He went to Japan for a little bit after this to kind of get some cooling off time off of TV. You're putting the Warrior over as your new champion. So you do so by having Hulk and Hogan kick out at the count of 3.01 seconds, putting the camera squarely on Hogan as he points to the sky, wondering why God caused him to lose. Um, and you have Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura spending two minutes talking about how Hogan is a gracious loser and was a great world champion and I'm like, how did they ever think the Warrior was going to get over when they're literally still putting Hogan over after he lost? They certainly did Mr. Howick no favors. Yeah, and and no again, hindsight on this is is easy 29 years later to look at it and be like, knowing what we know about Hulk Hogan now and all the stories of the backstage manipulation and and you know how he held so many guys back, how he held Perfect back, how he held Brett back, uh, how he went to WCW and he held a whole swath of talent back. Um, you can't help but look at this and think, well, this fits the MO of Hulk Hogan. This mm-hmm. is how Hogan will, d- doesn't mind doing the job. He'll do the job. 
but he's only going to do the job if he comes out of it looking strong. I mean, that's obviously not always the case, but I, I understand what you're saying. And, and, but part of this has got to be put on, you know, Vince or whoever's producing it. You know, they chose to put the camera on Hulk, right? Yeah. So it goes to, I mean, and, and they usually, as far as we know, we're very hands-on with the announce team, the announce, the announcers and whatnot. So look, this is clearly direction in some way. Uh, you know, how much of it can we really, you know, pin at the feet of Hogan just because we don't like him? Well, I don't know. That, I don't know is what I'm and, saying. And how much of this is Vince not being sold that the Warriors actually going to be able to carry the company? Because mm-hmm. if you look at the if you look at the aftermath of what happened, Hogan goes away, goes to Japan for a little while, comes back, um, in a, I think a few months later, um. Gets attacked on the Brother Love show in May. So that's two months later. Earthquake attacks him, does some real bad damage. They play this whole angle up where Hogan is hurt so bad after losing to the Warrior, losing to, or getting beat up by Earthquake. His spirit is gone. They, they set up this P.O. box where you can send letters to the Hulkster wishing him well, um, wishing him to you know, to return to wrestling and, and get your spirit back. Like literally like begging you to send Hulk Hogan a letter. I wonder where those letters are now. Like if they actually just like kept them in a pile, like if Vince has them locked in the vault of, of things that Vince keeps. And then Hogan would return to wrestling in August. Um, got his revenge on earthquake. Him and earthquake ran a program into early 91 he would end up winning the 1991 Royal Rumble, um, and that would set up his whole WrestleMania seven main event um, against Sergeant Slaughter, who at that point was an Iraqi sympathizer. So that was what happened on the Hogan side. So based so a year later, Hogan's in the main event of WrestleMania, wins the world title against Sergeant Slaughter. Spoiler alert, if you haven't watched WrestleMania seven, that's what happens. They literally paint him as an American hero fighting the Iraqis in the middle of the Gulf War. And that's where Hogan was in a year. The warrior went on to face Rick Rude over the course of the summer. Ends up dropping the title to Sergeant Slaughter at, I believe, SummerSlam. Um, with some assistance from outside forces such as the Macho Man, and then that would lead to the Warrior and the Macho Man running a program. So within six months, the Ultimate Warrior is no longer the heavyweight champion. Probably not the ideal way to treat the new face of your company. But again, did Vince and WWE creative purposely leave Hulk strong for this exact thing to happen. I find that hard to believe. I got to be honest. Vince just wants to make money. You know, who knows me? You know, what do the house show numbers say? Again, you know, I, I don't have that data in front of me, but what if the warrior wasn't drawing? I don't know. When Hulk was gone, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so um, I want to correct something that I said, by the way. Okay. Warrior held the title until um, the Royal Rumble. 
Right. I remember that match with Slaughter. The Royal Rumble is where he dropped the title to Slaughter. Because Macho King hit him, right, with the scepter. the same Royal Rumble. um, Hogan uh, won the Royal Rumble and went on to face. So Warrior held the title for about nine months. Almost a year, right. And initially, reports say that initially he was very successful as world champion. Okay. That, That house shows were up, that, you know, TV ratings were good. Um, and again, they do this whole, again, Hogan's off doing things at this time. He, he's doing movies. He's doing wrestling in Japan. He's off doing other things at this Hogan things. He's off doing brother. (laughs) He's off doing Hogan old things (laughs) at this point in time. He comes back on the brother love show, his big return two months later, he gets attacked. He's out until August. But so was there an earthquake promo before the attack on Brother I don't know, but if there was, sweating. he was sweaty as <laughs> hell. So it's like, it's, <laughs> it's, you know, Hogan's off TV for five months, comes back at SummerSlam, beats the crap out of Earthquake for four or five months. They travel up and down the road. Uh, you know, Hogan, you know, trying to turn Earthquake into this main event giant that he was not. Warriors doing warrior things. Um, and then again, a year later, we're back to where we were with Hulk Hogan as the world champion. And Warrior would, I, I don't think Warrior got a chance to be champion again after that. Um, I wouldn't think so unless he got it on one of his random returns, but I don't, I don't feel like he did. That never happened. No, and again, Warrior would go on to be pretty, uh, pretty controversial. He would end up quitting for a period yeah. of time. He ends up coming back. Um, was that him that came back? He came back in 96. Yeah, but was it him or was it the guy that got to replace him? Remember no, that it was, rumor when we were kids? That was awesome. That, that, I used that, to argue was, with kids on the playground. Like, shut up, it's him. It's just two, smaller. Yes, there was two warriors that one time. Yeah, that's what um, people said. They said that the, the real warrior died and they've replaced him with another one. Yeah. You're like, no, it's the same guy. It's still Jim Helwig. So, I mean, this was really, you know, the Warriors' one and only chance to be world champion. I mean, he, he had some interesting feuds after that. We, we, we alluded earlier to the Papa Shango feud of 92. He had a feud with The Undertaker in there. Oh, it was early awesome. On, early on in Undertaker's career. Um, he would end up leaving the company a few years later. He ended up coming back to the company. He would end up resurfacing for a short run in WCW, which for the love of God, we will never do an episode on that. So let's talk about it now. Um, so okay. we did have Warrior Hogan 2. Halloween uh, Havoc. At Halloween Havoc 98, I believe. Yes. Um, the minute widely, he came back, I bought the pay-per-view. <laughs> widely regarded as one of the worst matches in wrestling history. Um, like just, just horrible. By this point, the Warrior seemed so self-absorbed and WCW was already trending in a bad direction in terms of just too many, too many chiefs trying to all play their own cards and they were white hot and it just, it was terrible. It was Was so bad. Yeah. And then before you knew it, the warrior was gone and Mm -hmm. probably for the best. Um, so yeah, we'll never, ever do a show about that. I promise. Yeah, it was painful. We, as we as they mentioned it as on a several shows, of the war. it was painful. It was. It was watch, yeah. and, and even as a guy, like when he came out and he gave the promo on Nitro, I was all in. I'm like, this is awesome. And then it just became 
abundantly clear that that the warrior could not adapt his character with the times and it was no longer a character that fit in the wrestling landscape at that time and then the match was also hard so yeah there was that initial i remember the initial moment and it's it's a one of the most viewed youtube videos in terms of wrestling Mm -hmm. when the warrior makes his debut on nitro and Hogan and the disciple and Bischoff are in the ring. And Tony Schiavone says, his lip is quivering. And the warrior comes out and, you know, gives a classic warrior promo. You know, say, saying things like, you know, talk to me, warriors. And, you know, Hogan tries to give me NWO shirt. And he says, what's that smell? And it's it's a classic warrior promo, right? Like it's. It almost felt like you felt like for a minute that they were going to recapture some of that old magic, but it totally. just, it turned. And again, maybe it's because Vince wasn't at the helm as my dog decides to throw a fit in the background. That um, that's Seems fine. the you right time to throw. A you know, uh, they're like, oh, they're talking about Halloween havoc. I'm upset. Yeah, exactly. I know. Oh man, my dogs usually bark when they get hear about Halloween havoc. Sprite must just be wanting to get credits for being on the episode. But the thing is, is that you know, you it, maybe it was that Vince wasn't at the helm. Maybe that was the problem. That without Vince pulling the strings and Vince in control and Vince being able to dictate. Okay, guys, here's what we're gonna do this week. And Warrior, here's, you know, not that you could tell Warrior what he was going to say, but, you know, Warrior, here's a brief outline of what I want you to say, and then he wouldn't use it anyway. But that's the thing is maybe without Vince, it wasn't able to capture the same magic. Maybe without, you know, Hogan and Warrior being in the right frame of mind, because Hogan's a different guy at this point. He's rich beyond his wildest dreams. He, his interest in wrestling seems to be, you know, minimal at best, other than to, you know, to, to, to stroke his own interests. So, it, you know, it, it just didn't work out. It was absolutely horrible. And uh, let's never speak of it again ever on a podcast. It was probably I, a good I, idea. I agree. No no fireballs. We don't need to talk about them. No. It did so, not work. So let's, let's summarize. So overall, going back and watching this, what did you think going back, re-watching WrestleMania 6? Where does this... Where does this sit for you in terms of pay-per-views? Where, you know, how do you feel maybe differently about it now after rewatching it? I will never watch this pay-per-view again, Snaggle J. Uh, it was that bad, and I was sad for the little ten-year-old Cooperstown Kurt. It was that bad. Uh, I would watch the Hogan Warrior match again, and that is about it. I mean, it is really for it, it is either incredibly forgettable stuff here. Or stuff you can't get out of your head that is horrific. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it's that bad. Like, it, there's a lot of offensive stuff in there. And it just, I just want to remember the Hogan Warrior matchup and that's it. Uh, and, yeah. and try not to think about what came after. And just that one moment in time was great. And, you know, the Warrior, his entire career, you know, that's the moment he's going to be remembered for, regardless of whether the Macho Man was a better matchup in the, in the subsequent year. So I have fond memories of the matchup and, and that's kind of where I'm going to leave it. But it, it's just, it was bad, man. I mean, I don't look at it the same way I do WrestleMania three. There's some stuff on there. I really like WrestleMania four, the tournament, maybe they're not great matches, but I just remember the tournament being so interesting. Um, 
it, it's just it's it's time to put this one to bed and i'm glad yeah. we could do it here today yeah what about this, yourself this for me on um, this wrestlemania makes me glad that the WWE Network has those little markers along the bottom in the time bar that you can skip forward to a certain match. Because if I ever need to watch it again, I know uh, I can find exactly where to go. Because the first three hours of this pay-per-view is absolutely unwatchable wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and like you said, it makes me... It ruins every memory that you know little eight-year-old Snaggle J had uh, of this being an amazing pay-per-view. Yes. Um, this, is, this is, to me, again... For what that one match represents, I think it's a great story. I think it's a huge moment in the pre-attitude era WWF. I think it was a huge moment for wrestling. But overall, WrestleMania six for you know as much credit as the Ultimate Challenge gets, it I don't. It was not anywhere near good enough to carry this card into something that I would actually sit down and dedicate three and a half hours to watching ever again. Now, but I, I do have to say, Snaggle. As we're talking about this and saying, oh, it was a three and a half card and there wasn't a lot on there that is memorable or that I would watch again other than this main event. You know, we talked about it earlier. I haven't watched wrestling in a long time, but I bought the network. Obviously, I love the Royal Rumble. That's that's my favorite pay-per-view. Always has been. So I was I gave the new product a shot. Maybe I'm wrong. And I, I apologize if I'm being ignorant to you hardcore wrestling fans out there. But it was like a four-hour Royal Rumble snaggle. And yeah. I was not entertained almost ever for long yeah. stretches of time. I, and so, you know, I can't be too hard on it from, from that sense. Cause I'm like, well, how many pay-per-views are that memorable that we, you know, if you do get one iconic match, you know, it kind of is something that sticks out. So, right. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Like, no, it it makes was, am I wrong? Was the Royal Rumble no. bad this year? Or, it or? was. It, pay-per-views, oh, the, the big pay-per-views four now hours? Push, push four hours. I think WrestleMania is slated to be five hours. Oh, come um, on. But the difference being those five hours or those four hours, or let's say the WWE runs an exact time like pay-per-view to re- this WrestleMania six. Three hours and 35 minutes, I think the runtime was, start to finish. Three hours and 35 minutes of a pay-per-view now would have six matches. Yeah. Whereas this one had 14. Because the the matches now are, well, I think I would rather have what we have now. And that's hard for me to say. Because, again, none of these matches meant anything. They were, like... You're all right, all right, but does Randy Orton versus John Cena for the thousandth time matter either? I know that's well, that, 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 but, 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 but I mean, if there's, if there's a story involved and they're going to wrestle a good 20 minute match to tell a story, I'd rather watch Randy Orton and John Cena tell a good story for 20 minutes for the thousandth time than watch the big boss man versus Akeem, <laughs> Hacksaw, Jim that. Duggan, Dino Bravo, Orion Express, and the Rockers. And Barbarian Tito Santana, which all four matches oh, would have fit. Like that's what I mean. Is okay. again, it, it's it's quantity versus quality for me. The okay. quality now you get again, it's hard. It's hard to sit and watch a four-hour pay-per-view. I agree. It took me three different nights to sit and watch through this three and a half-hour one, and it was awful. <laughs> but yeah. like that's the thing is, it's different now because there's more storytelling. There's more backstage. There's more video packages and and things like like the video packages video packages are great it's just different you're comparing apples to oranges and that's and it it, it isn't it's it's similar but it's different it's it's really hard to compare 
a okay. 1990s pay-per-view to a 2019 sure. pay-per-view. But, but I still I, want characters me... I care about. And, and yeah. was I watched the Royal Rumble without knowing these guys and girls. I went in there with the fresh, you know, fresh eyes. And there were very few. I was like, oh, yeah. that person's interesting. Like, all the dudes are, are, are bearded guys. Like, they all look oh, the same. Let's, let's not go down that road. He said, I did enjoy uh, the, the character. I hope he's somebody people like or I'm going to get made fun of. Was it El- Elias? Elias? Is that his name? Yeah. That guy was good Elias, to me. Uh, he, he's, he he, I do find I, I find them interesting. That was somebody I found interesting. But, you know, I understood, I guess, and this is really going to get me in trouble. I know it is. I understood why Brock Lesnar was the champion. I'm like, there's a star. Look at him. That's I mean, that's a star. You keep trying to sell me on this other guy. I don't know. That's going to work out. So I do like Daniel Bryant. I like his heel character. I think that's an interesting move. Um, you know, AJ Styles certainly can wrestle. I don't know if I'm invested in his character, but yeah, sorry, I'm a character guy. Man. You are you. There are a lot of people who share your your Brock Lesnar uh, opinion. I to lose. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Oh, he's going to he, he's going to lose here. He's a part time. It does. Yeah. I do find that annoying. But I get it. Like I'm just like, why would why would he lose to uh, what's the guy you guys all like the the, the guy that wrestled him at Royal Rumble, the Demon Finn Balor, Balor, yeah, yeah, no, not feeling yeah, it. No, that's, cool. Teach some, his, teach his own, you know, teach his own, Coop. That's you know, it's it is what it is. It's it hard is. to get. By the way, there is there is a hard. There is an attachment problem with today's superstars, but that's another topic for another gigantic I episode. I apologize. Uh, all right, Cooperstown, Kurt. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and talking about WrestleMania six. Uh, why don't you tell everybody out there in podcast land where they can find you? You know what, man? I, I tweet a lot, as you know, uh, on Twitter, at Cooperstown Kurt. You can find me there and all my stuff there. If you just want to check out the baseball podcast, go to theraindelay.com, and you'll find it there. But yeah, I'm out there, man. I'm just, I'm just happy to talk wrestling with you. It was fun. Yes. And I, he might, Kurt might have cut out there just for a second, but it's, it's twitter.com slash Cooperstown Kurt if, uh, if you didn't get that. There may have been a little uh, blip in the – Internet connection there. I want to make sure everyone gets your Twitter account. Go follow. I do enjoy Coop's tweets. They're great. Um, as always, guys, you can follow me all over the internet, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, at Snaggle J. Um, I'll be back next week with a brand new, fresh episode of the Snaggle Show. Cooperstown, Kurt, thank you so much for being on the show. Let's, um, let's, uh, let's, let's just tell everybody right now that we're going to see if we can uh, do this again sometime. I think that's a, a definite possibility. I, I'm I'm I love this old time wrestling stuff, man. I can get yeah, deep. Not in. WrestleMania six though. Anything oh, else but WrestleMania six. Please, please, anything but WrestleMania. Like some Saturday night's yeah. main events or something. The big event. It, it, it was not in Canada with with Paul Orndorff. Maybe that's up our yes. alley. I don't know. You know what? Let's put it out there. Listen, guys. If you guys are listening at home, uh, and you want to, you you want, you have a wrestling event. From the past that you would like Cooperstown and Kurt and uh, Cooperstown and Kurt and I to to focus in on, <laughs> hit us on Twitter, twitter.com slash snagglej, twitter.com slash Cooperstown Kurt. Let us know that you w- what you got, and uh, we'll uh, we'll take your suggestions under advisement. We'll uh, we'll we'll open up some secret Twitter DMs and we'll uh, talk about it. But Coop, you're welcome back on the the podcast anytime. Uh, thanks, ladies and gentlemen, man. thank you thank you so much for listening, and until next time. Peace.